He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the perfect judge, the perfect defender, and our perfect savior. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth with Madison Sanderson. Grab your Bible, a cup of coffee, and let's celebrate him. Welcome to another Wednesday here at In Spirit and In Truth. I'm your host, Madison Sanderson, and today we are going to be hitting a pretty hard topic. This is something that many people tend to believe either fully or they'll believe partially, and either way, it's still wrong. So we're going to spend the next couple of minutes talking about this, and then we're also going to be hearing from some uh, preachers and from some other spokespeople on this specific topic. So gather your Bible, gather your notebook, gather your pens, whatever you might need, and let's dive into this together. So our subject for today is that you are not good. We kind of talked about this a little bit whenever we had the episode called You Are Not Enough, and those can usually go pretty hand in hand, but there is a difference because there's a lot of times when people might not feel like they're enough, but they at least feel like they're good. And um, just coming from different conversations that I've had with some people, that my husband's had with some people, that my friends, my family, whomever, have had with other people, it's shocking the amount of people who actually believe that every person is good or they believe that there are good people and there are bad people. And so that's going to be our main focus for today. We're going to have little segues at different times that are going to cover the question of why do bad things happen to good people? And that's because it does tie into exactly what we're talking about. So, let's get started. How are you not a good person? You make good decisions and you pay all your bills on time. You help older women whenever they're trying to cross the street. You hold the door open for people. You always try to speak kindly to people. You pay your tithe. You actually serve at your church. You are studying to be a doctor so that you can actually help cure cancer. The list can go on and on and on of things that we like to point out as good, but that doesn't make you a good person. And trust me, this is all coming from somebody who struggled with this concept to an extent. When I finally saw God as the supreme justifier over everything, it helped me to just accept a lot of things that I used to wrestle with or that other people tend to hold a lot stronger to than I do. Um, and you might be one of those people. And if you are, that is, that's okay. I want you, as always, to do your research on this, but I'm just letting you know that you are not alone in the thought that you've had this thought, and you're not alone in the fact that you might have to wrestle your way to a conclusion. And we may not end up at the same conclusion. I will just say, and this may come off prideful, and I don't mean it that way whatsoever, um, but I believe that God has given me a platform to proclaim him in his glory. And that's what I plan on doing. And I do believe 
wholeheartedly that if you are capable of believing that some people are actually good by nature and others are bad, then you are actually taking glory from God. And I am not somebody that is okay with that. So that would be why it was a lot easier for me to change my viewpoint on this. Basically, let's start from the very beginning. You're not good because the world is not good. When God created the world, it was. It was very good. And I think that that's a lot of times something that we will cling to pretty tightly is the fact that God said after he had created man and woman, this is very good. So we believe that that actually covers us, that we are underneath this blanket of very good. But that's not true. Had the fall not ever happened, then yes, that would have been true. Still to this day, we would have been very good. But because of the fall, because of the fact that Eve ate of a fruit that she was not supposed to eat of, by being deceived by Satan, because he took God's word and he twisted it, which is, again, very, very common. And it's why we have to guard ourselves with scripture. And we have to take everything to scripture. Because Satan knows scripture, but it doesn't mean that he's going to tell it to you straight. So he contorted what God had said, and Eve fell into this trap. And because of that, and because of Adam caving in with her, sin then entered the world. It was a punishment. And there's a lot of other parts that one day we're going to actually cover the fall on an episode But we're not really going to get super in-depth on that right now. As a believer, most of us understand that we had a perfect creation. We messed up. Now we're sinful, right? So because of that, because of the fact that Adam is our father, so we all come from Adam, and we inherit his sinfulness. But that does not mean that because it's technically what we like to say, technically his sin that we don't have to answer for ours. It's because it was done to us. No, 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 no. We have sin because of him, but we sin because of ourselves. So we answer to our own sin. We do not answer to the fact that we are sinners because of Adam. Don't get those two confused, which can be kind of complicated at times, but that makes it to where if you want to believe that your sin only comes because of Adam and not because of your own sinful nature, then you're putting all the blame on somebody. And when you see God and he tells you that actually it was you who did all that, it's a very rude awakening. And I'd rather you have that now than whenever you're in the face of Jesus. Because you not accepting your sin and your bad nature can absolutely cause you to go to hell. Without a doubt. Because you won't believe that you have anything to repent of. And whenever you become a believer, Jesus does not ask you to ask him into your heart. What he tells you to do is repent and believe. 
It's not just believe. It's no, you have to repent. You need to understand the severity and the depth of the sin that you do. Because then you understand the severity and the depth of your need for Jesus. So, why is it such a big deal that we believe that every person is inherently bad? Why is the person who adopted so many children and has fostered so many children and has fed the hungry, excuse me, who has given all her money and or all his money to any cause that he possibly could, who is a believer, why is he still or she still considered bad inherently, yet there is someone who slaughtered countless people, murdered countless people, but they're still viewed as both bad? Well, here's, here's the deal with that. Every single person is a fallen person. So that, in and of itself, means that every single person is bad. Where we sin and how we sin and to the degree in which we sin is going to be different. All of us are 100% capable of doing terrible things. We probably don't want to think so. There's a lot of times I don't want to think so. I believe that I would never, ever have an affair on my husband because I love him more than anything else on this planet. But I know that I'm capable because I'm still a sinful person. Even though I'm covered by Jesus' blood, that does not take the sin away, which means that I am still a bad person by nature. So, for you, it's the same thing. I'm not saying that just because we're all bad that we need to go out in the world and be like, all right, well, you know, there's no good coming from this, so I'm going to go and do whatever I want to do and, you know, basically let all hell break loose. That's not what I'm saying. When you accept Christ, truly accept Christ, Things start changing for you. Your desire for sin changes. You don't want to sin because you understand why you so badly need Jesus. And I'm not saying that you don't sin. You will continue to sin. I'm sorry. that It sucks, but it's truth. And you will still be a bad person. We do not, our flesh does not change until we are in heaven. Our natural instincts and desires don't change. We don't change those. Who does change those is God. Through the Holy Spirit, things are able to change in us. We get those nudges that help us to understand if we're confused as to whether this is a sin or not, we can usually figure it out. Also, based off of scripture. Bad people don't want to hear that they're a bad person because they want to believe that no matter what they're doing, it's still fine. But I'm here to tell you that I want you to understand that you're a bad person so that you also understand 
that Jesus truly is the only person who ever walked on this earth who was absolutely good. Why do I want you to understand that? Because it paints Jesus in such a glorious and beautiful light. Which is what he is. Everything that I'm trying to talk to you guys through and trying to open your minds to and that I'm asking you to do research on, um, all of this stuff is for the fact that in the end, Jesus gets so much more credit. And that's our goal. At least that's my goal. I can't speak for everybody, but that's definitely my goal. I want people to understand that we are terrible, wretched sinners still, and that we are bad. So when bad things do happen to us, we're not asking God, why in the world would you do that? Instead, we remember, you know, I deserve so much worse than what I'm getting right now. And you are sovereign and you are good. You are what is good. So therefore, I am going to look to you. I'm going to look to your word and I am going to have fall on my face in front of you and accept the fact that I do deserve this, but I want your help through this. I want you to be glorified through this. I want at the end of this for me to be able to look back and say, Christ was exalted through my pain, through my suffering, through the bad things. That I fully deserved. So since we're on this topic, we're going to take a moment. And I want you to listen to one of my favorite pastors. His name is Vody Bachman. He is phenomenal. He has a series on um, expository apologetics that my husband and I just finished watching this last weekend. And it's phenomenal. I'm telling you, it's, it's a game changer for sure. But he's going to discuss the topic of why do bad things happen to good people. And I want you to listen to this so you understand that it's not just from me. This isn't coming from me. And then once he's done, we're going to come back and we're going to go and we're going to dive into some scripture. So just take a couple minutes and let's listen to Mr. Vody. My students come up to me all the time after taking a semester in philosophy. There ought to be a rule. You should not be able to talk about philosophy unless you've had more than a semester of philosophy. <laughs> if you haven't had any, that's fine. Talk away. But if you've had a semester, you are messed up. Be better off just not taking it at all. And they'll come up and they'll say things to me and they fought these things out. And I'm on the campus to talk about these issues and dealing with apologetics and they want to catch me alone and ask me these questions and they look at me and they say, I just wanted to ask you that um, if you believe in a God that is omnipotent and omnibenevolent, then how do you reconcile the issue of theodicy? To which I respond, took a semester of philosophy, right? 
Oh yes, how did you know? Because if you hadn't, you'd have just said, listen, God's so powerful and so good, how come bad stuff happens? But I'm not going to answer the question until you ask it correctly. <laughs> I worked on that all week. What do you mean ask it correctly? <laughs> You're not asking the question properly. What do you mean ask the question properly? It's my question. You can't tell me how to ask my question. I will answer your question when you ask it properly. How do I ask it properly? Here's how you ask that question properly. You look me in my eyes and you ask me this. How on earth can a holy and righteous God know what I did and thought and said on yesterday and not kill me in my sleep last night? You ask it that way and we can talk. But until you ask the question that way, you don't understand the issue. Until you ask the question that way, you believe the problem is out there. Until you ask the question that way, you believe that there are somehow some individuals who in and of themselves deserve something other than the wrath of Almighty God. Until you ask me the question that way, until you flip the script, and ask the question this way and say why is it that we are here today why has he not consumed and devoured each and every one of us why why oh God does your judgment and your wrath tarry when you ask it that way you understand the issue when you ask it the other way you believe in the supremacy of man how dare God not employ his power on behalf of Almighty Man. You flip the question around, you believe in the supremacy of Christ. How dare I steal his heir? Because the last breath I took, I borrowed it from him. And I'm never going to give it back. When you borrow something and never give it back, you're stealing. Some of you need to take a moment and get right right now. <laughs> the problem is me. The problem is the fact that I do not acknowledge the supremacy of Christ in truth. The problem is, I start with me as the measure of all things. The problem is, I judge God based upon how well he carries out my agenda for the world. And I believe in the supremacy of me in truth. And as a result, I want a God who is omnipotent but not sovereign. If I have a God who is omnipotent but not sovereign, I can wield his power. But if my God is both omnipotent and sovereign, I am at his mercy.
seriously, every time I listen to him speak, I'm always at like full attention with him because he does he does his preaching in such a amazing manner where he hits to the soul of things and you kind of hurt because it's all truth and you're like, yeah, okay, I know you're right. But it's also like he does it with ointment at the same time where he's like, I'm going to cut you with my knife, but I'm also going to soothe that wound at the same time because here's the beauty of this truth as well. And I just, man, I love Vody. He's definitely someone that I can probably listen to like one or two of his messages a day, maybe, but there's so much packed into each one that I have to, I have to take a break. My mind can only handle so much. And I mean, it's mush by the end of just a couple of minutes of listening to him. And so I recommend you definitely looking into Vody more. It's V-O-D-D-I-E. He is again, just phenomenal, but Now we're going to actually dive into scripture. And so I want you to take out your Bible so that you can read along with me. That way you can see that what I'm reading is actually coming from scripture. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. Uh, You read through whatever translation you would like. And also just pointing out there, eventually we're going to have an episode talking about specific translations. So that's just a a little plug for you. (laughs) But we're going to read multiple passages, so we're going to kind of be flipping back and forth. But we're going to start off in Romans, and we're going to be starting off in Romans 3. And we're going to read Romans 3, 10 through 18. That says, no, no one, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So many of us have read that. We've either read it, we've heard it in a sermon, whatever it might be. And we often think, none is righteous, no, not one. Oh, okay, well... All right. And then it goes on. And then as it starts explaining that they use their tongues to deceive, that their throat is just an open grave or that uh, together they have become worthless. We start thinking, okay, well, that's clearly not talking about me. So I'm going to put that in another category. As humans, we tend to do subcategories or we tend to just do categories in general. We will often say that... um, So this part of scripture will only cover this specific person. If it's talking about bad stuff, it's obviously going to be talking about Hitler. But if it's talking about good stuff, then it's obviously going to be talking about me because I'm an awesome person. But that's not true, especially with this. There are some, yes, there are some times in scripture where it is specifically, obviously talking about the saved and the unsaved. There is a distinct difference. But with this, when it says none is righteous, no, not one. Remember the fact that this letter, though it was written by Paul, was inspired. Remember, God wrote this. He wants you to understand that no one is righteous. Every single person that is ever born from the moment that they are conceived is not righteous. 
Because if you were one of those lucky few who was righteous, what is your need for Jesus? So if that's not enough for you, we're going to go down just a couple more verses. And we all know this verse. So for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We like to look at the latter half of that verse. So we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. We love that verse. We do not like for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When I used to see that, I used to think, okay, yeah, like I have the little sins. And so obviously like Jesus had to die for all sin. So those little sins are obviously going to be part of that. So I guess like, yeah, he did have to die for me. But what we're missing is the cute little three letter word, all, all, every single person has sinned. Now is sin good? No, we all know the answer to that. So why, if we know that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, why do we believe that there are still some people who are good then? Every single person is a sinner. If you ever listen to Ray Comfort, he is such a phenomenal He's, I, I, I love him. I don't even know how to describe him without like all these long, long sentences, basically. But Ray Comfort, what he does is he goes out and he evangelizes to people. And he will have a specific topic in mind. Uh, I, in our giveaway, there are multiple movies that he has done. And one covers homosexuality, one covers atheists, and one covers abortion. And they are incredible. They're really short. I highly recommend you looking at them or at least just entering into the giveaway so you might be able to get them. But they show him actually evangelizing to people. And it's awesome because he brings every single person to the point that I'm hopefully, hopefully helping you to get to where you realize, oh my goodness, yeah, I am a wretched sinner. I'm not good. Because what he does is he will ask people specifically, do you think you're a good person? And most people will say, yeah, yeah, I do. Well, then, just like he asks, have you ever stolen anything? Half will say yes, half will say no. Well, have you ever downloaded illegal music? Well, then you've stolen something. Have you ever borrowed something and never actually gave it back? Well, you've stolen something. Men that are married, have you ever asked, did you ever ask your wife's dad if you could actually ask for her hand in marriage? No, well, you've stolen something. So have you ever lied? Every person knows that we have lied. Every person lies. Okay, well, have you ever looked at another person with lust? Have you ever looked at another person thinking thoughts that you should not think about them? That would be considered adultery, right? As Jesus says, if you ever looked at upon a woman with lust in your heart, then you have already committed adultery. 
Have you ever hated somebody? Have you ever been so mad at somebody that you wished harm upon them? Well, that would be murder. So if you've answered yes to any of these, then you're a thief, you're a liar, you're an adulterer, and you're a murderer. And that's only part of the Ten Commandments. Every single one of us have disobeyed our parents. We were children. We disobeyed our parents. To this day, we might still disobey our parents. That's also yet another commandment. Have you ever taken Jesus off of his throne and you put something else there? And you probably think, well, no. Well, what has most of your focus? Have you ever put your school in front of Jesus? Or have you ever put your school work? Have you ever put your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your kids, your parents, your grandparents? Have you ever put your sickness that you're going through? Have you ever focused on that more than you focused on Jesus? Have you ever put the gifts that God gives you above Jesus? How about your car, your house, your possessions? Well, then that's you creating idols. So if you answered yes to even one of those, then clearly you fall into the category of all have sinned. Be comforted in the fact that all have sinned, so you're not alone in that. But maybe that will help you to understand that there is the difference between, well, some are good and some are bad. What's the difference? Only Jesus was good. All of us are bad. So another one is in Ephesians. So Ephesians 2, verse 3, says, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Well, if that doesn't put it any more clearly, I'm not sure what could. Because that states, by nature, it is distinctly your own specific nature. You are a child of wrath, and so is the rest of mankind. Now, I used Hitler as an example earlier. But we will often look at Hitler as the worst example. Which, please do not get me wrong on this. Hitler was a terrible person absolutely vile and what he did was honestly incomprehensible because we have never personally most likely experienced something to that extent it was awful and he is being punished for eternity for that and that is what can bring peace to such a harsh situation is the fact that God was still just and we don't have to believe in karma because karma is a made-up fictitious thing But we can believe that God does give people what they deserve. And Hitler 100% deserves hell for eternity for what he did. But so do you. One little sin is enough. Is enough to put you in hell for eternity. So... Just putting that out there. But because of the fact that we view Hitler so bad and we view ourselves so good, 
That means that the way that we look at things, we usually put it on a scale. Like I was saying, we put things into different groups, right? And so we put things in different categories or whatnot, however you would like to describe it. And so we have to have a basis for what is good and what is bad. Because think about this. Hitler did not think he was a bad person. He didn't think that. In movies, villains are often portrayed as having the knowledge that they are a bad person. But most of the time, bad people don't think that they are bad people. Us who know Jesus, we do understand that there are bad people. What we get construed or misconstrued is the fact that we believe that there are bad people and that there are good people. But as I've talked about this whole time, that's not true. We all are bad people. What's the beauty of that though? God. God is the beauty in all of this. The fact that we are despicable human beings, yet God sent his son to die on the cross so that he could have a relationship with these despicable human beings. Isn't that crazy? So why do we want to believe that we're such good people? Is it out of our own pride? Is it out of a desire to make ourselves feel better? I don't know. I honestly don't remember or can't even think of why I thought that, but I know that I had. But now I also clearly see that my thoughts on that being formed in such a way took Jesus' glory. And that's something I don't ever want to do. So we're going to listen to one more person. Uh, One of the speakers, his name is Todd Friel, and he actually has a radio station called Wretched Radio, and it's also very good. He can be a little hard to listen to at times just because he does seem to be very sarcastic and somewhat come off a little rude at times, but he he's also somebody that is going to be very straightforward with you. So I highly recommend him as well. He also has some stuff in the giveaway if you would like to enter into that so that you can listen to more of his stuff. Or you can find him on any platform as well that you can listen to podcasts on. But here is another example as to why bad things happen to good people. What is the question that people tend to ask when it comes to evil? Why do bad things happen to good people? I would like to suggest to you, we're asking the wrong question. Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? The biblical answer is there are no good people. In Mark 10, 18, Jesus said that only God is good. Because God is good, he's going to see to it that justice is done on the day of judgment. If he gave each of us justice right now, every one of us would end up in a terrible place called hell, and we would deserve it. God is the standard of righteousness, and all of us have fallen short of that standard, so there really aren't any 
good people that bad things happen to? A better question is this. Why does God allow good things to happen to bad people? With reasons known only to God, He demonstrated His own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In spite of our evil, wicked, sinful nature, God still loves us. He loved us enough to die to take the penalty of our sins upon Himself on that cross. Often things happen to us that we simply cannot understand. But instead of doubting God's goodness in times of suffering, we should trust Him. We should echo the words of Job, though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. The book of Job shows us that God is trustworthy, even when we don't understand the suffering around us. Why do bad things happen to good people? That only happened once, and He volunteered. While that is most excellent theology, that is a very difficult message for the unbeliever to hear. However, I wonder, dear Christian, if you and I actually need to adjust our thinking also. Are you and I inclined to ask the question, what are you doing, God? What's going on? Why, why are you causing bad things or allowing bad things to happen? The truth of the matter is, our position should always be, wow, God, why do you allow so much goodness to happen? Why is it that there's so little violence comparatively? The string, it's connected all the way to the stick. He goes for the wretched hoodie because he loves them. Down comes the box, the stick pulls the string on my desk, pulling the cup. I know he's here, he's in the box. All right, well, I hope that this got you thinking. And I hope above anything else that this brings you closer to Jesus. That this gives you a desire to go and learn these things through scripture. Something that I love that my husband is doing is that his job, he is actually talking to different people of all different types of religious backgrounds, which is awesome. But he's talking to them and he's asking them to find something that you stand so firm on, that you believe is so biblical and look in scripture for the answer. And then they're all going to get together and they're going to discuss these things. Because we try to never be so closed-minded that we don't want to take in what other people are saying or listen to what other people are saying. But at the same time, I'm only going to listen to so much if I know that it's not actually script scripturally based. So I want to do the same thing for you. If this is something you're struggling with, if there's something else, if it's something that you're struggling with, whether it's like predestination or if we are, um, if we work for our salvation or if we have just faith alone, that is something that I want you to wrestle with through scripture. So thank you again for spending time with me. I am so passionate about this podcast and I'm very excited to see all the different feedback that I've been getting and just the love that a lot of people have been sending me through this. And I just pray that God gets all the glory for all of this because uh, none of this stuff did I know even a year ago, to be honest. I've been a believer for eight years now and half this stuff I had no idea about or never even gave thought to, yet here we are now. And so thank you for spending time with me. The giveaway is still going for a couple more days, so make sure that you go and you enter in, and it's very simple. You either leave a review on the platform that you're listening to and let me see the picture of it, whether that's through Facebook Messenger, Instagram direct message, or text message, whichever way you prefer. 
That way I can actually get you entered into the giveaway. We have quite a few names in there now, which is very exciting. And your name could be one of them. If you don't want to leave a review, that's okay. All you have to do as well is you can just share any of my posts with the hashtag I sat with Maddie, M-A-D-I, and you would be entered in. And I hope that you're looking at my Instagram stories as they have been containing little snippets of what is in this giveaway, but you're not even going to know what all's in there until you actually win it. So you can't actually know until you actually try and enter. But thank you again for spending time with me. And I just pray and pray and pray that you will go and praise God from whom all blessings flow.